You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I am uh, Pastor John Folly from St. Louis, having the privilege of bringing you the Word of our Lord today, and uh, to consecrate the, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ for you this morning. It is a privilege always to be able to bring people the word of our Lord. Um, But especially, uh, my wife and I have been in the Denver area since October 1st, as she is a patient at Craig Hospital, uh, recovering from a spinal cord injury. Uh, Pastor Wolfmuller and Vicar Lessman have been very gracious and kind in visiting her regularly. So... uh, this really is a nice opportunity for me to return the kindness as Pastor Wolf Mueller is, uh, is out of town this weekend. As Vicar Lessman noted, the sermon this morning is based on the gospel lesson that was read to you. The Christian church is just two weeks away from observing the season of Advent. It's a time of the year when in Advent we focus on the Word of God that speaks specifically about the coming of our Lord and His judgment. For those who have died in Jesus, and for those of us who are still on the earth when that time comes, who are waiting expectantly for His return, repenting of our sin, and clinging to the forgiveness and the mercy that He won for us, in his sacrificial life and death, it will be a day of great joy and of great relief and of final fulfillment. However, for those who are apart from Jesus, no matter how much we have loved them, no matter how good or how kind they were in this life, if they are apart from Jesus, it will be a day of great misery and dread as they receive the most horrible news that anyone could possibly hear. As they are told, forever you are cast into outer darkness and torment. Forever you are separated from the eternal comfort of my bosom, where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. In these Sundays, just before Advent, We focus on the coming of those days, or as your bulletin cover notes, the age before the end. You know, on the one hand, Jesus says very clearly in Scripture that no one knows when the day of judgment will be. But on the other hand, he gives us absolutely everything we know that we need to know to be prepared and He gives us a clear prediction of judgment that actually occurred in the generation of his hearers. And that's what the substance of our text is this morning. All of this Jesus has given to them and he gives to us through his word so that we would not chase after false saviors, that we would not listen to nor believe false gospels but rather that we may live in repentance and cling to the gospel, the good news of the only Savior whom God has ever given to us and who He ever will give to us. 
Today I would like to walk you through and explain this gospel text. At a first read, the things that Jesus speaks of can, can appear to be confusing. However, they need not be, especially when they're understood in the context of comments that Jesus made in the temple right before he was speaking to the disciples about these days. <clears throat> More importantly, while this kind of text at first can, be, uh, can appear to be all law, striking fear into our hearts through his very descriptive and sometimes morbid language, it is really out of compassion and grace that Jesus gives us warning and consolation. After all, the, very, the Scriptures are very clear in both the Old Testament and the New Testament that God does not desire the death of sinners. He is not looking and waiting to punish people and to send them into eternal damnation. But rather, the Scriptures are clear in both the Old and the New Testament that God sent His only begotten Son into the world as the very Lamb of God to save sinners. The words of Matthew that record Jesus in the temple in chapters 21, 22, and 23, which precede our text, are spoken by Jesus while he's in the temple in Jerusalem during Holy Week. I'm guessing this is Sunday through Tuesday or Sunday through Wednesday. Think about that that the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to dedicate three full chapters of his gospel to Jesus' final preaching and his final teaching in the temple. These are the kinds of times that, as Jesus himself says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is pretty important stuff. These are some of the most important conversations that Jesus has had, and they're in the final week of his life here on earth, before his crucifixion. These are some of the most important sermons that Jesus preaches in this temple, the holy city. Because these really are, brothers and sisters in Christ, not child's play. These aren't optional sermons you get to hear or not hear. But Jesus was very intentional about bringing these words to them and to us because they are matters of life and death. As Jesus is in the temple, he is very aware of his coming death in just a couple of days. Sadness fills his compassionate heart as the Jewish teachers, scribes, and Pharisees continue to reject him. In fact, he knows that while he's teaching in the temple, Judas is already conspiring with them to have him killed. He knows that they are seeking to kill him, only to kill and reject the very Messiah that they have been waiting for. He speaks very sharp, biting words of condemnation delivering seven warnings, sometimes called the seven woes. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Jesus said. 
But this is one more opportunity for Jesus to preach also to the crowds as well. People of the pew, so to speak, both warning them also about the coming judgment, but more importantly, the love and grace and patience that God has for sinners. In his closing remarks, before Jesus leaves the temple, he speaks these words specifically to the scribes and the Pharisees. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. And then note these words. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. So in the things that Jesus was describing for them, He did not say that these things are going to be coming 1,000 or 2,000 or even 3,000 years down the road, but that the things that he was describing were going to be fulfilled within their generation. But now listen to the pastoral lament of Jesus, which follows the previous words of condemnation. One more plea he makes with them. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then we move into chapter 24 of Matthew, which now houses the conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples. So as Jesus is leaving the temple, Matthew says that the disciples are enamored with everything that they are seeing making comment about all of the grand buildings of the temple. And indeed, the temple was a very glorious structure. It was made of the finest stone. It was made of the finest jewels and the gold, made by the best craftsmen. There were no expenses spared, and it took 46 years to build that particular temple. And what does Jesus have to say about all of that? He says to them, you see all these things, don't you? But I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that is not thrown down. This holy temple, which God himself made holy by dwelling in it, had been desecrated, being made into a den of thieves, murderers of God's prophets, blind teachers of the faith, and the ones who rejected the promised Savior. They exchanged the very mercy of God who sat on the mercy seat for their own self-righteousness and taught people 
that the very temple of, in the very temple of God, that the way to a right relationship with God was not His mercy and His forgiveness, but was through their keeping of the law. And so, as Jesus had said, the temple had become desolate of the pure, true Word of God. And so it would be destroyed. Jesus had just been telling them in the temple, and His disciples certainly heard it, that all of these things would happen in their generation. So when He left the temple and He went out into the Mount of Olives... And by the way, from the Mount of Olives, he would have been able to see yet the temple with all of its glory. And yet the disciples then come to Jesus and they ask him, when will all of these things take place? Excuse me. And how will we know when you will be returning? Jesus then gives a very curious response to their question. A response in which they probably did not understand at the moment. But they would certainly come to understand it as all hell would break loose after Jesus was crucified and Christians would be persecuted and killed just as Jesus told them on several occasions. So in Matthew chapter 24, from verses 4 to 14, Jesus is clearly describing the end times. But then in verse 15, he makes a very subtle and yet intentional shift. He makes reference to something from the book of Daniel called the abomination of desolation. Jesus told them, when you see... The abomination of desolation. Then you will know you will have a sign that the end times are coming. The abomination or desecration of the temple would be the beginning of intense persecution, bloodshed, and suffering. I am convinced that the desecration that Jesus speaks of The desecration of the temple that he speaks of is his very own crucifixion near Jerusalem, which had been named as the city of peace, the holy city. It was called the city of peace and the holy city because God was truly present in the temple. And yet, as Jesus said, it was now left desolate. It had become a city of bloodshed and the city of abomination as the very Lamb of God who was sent to take away the sin of the world was rejected by sinners and crucified there. In the crucifixion of Jesus, God was not condemning the world. Rather, He was doing quite the opposite. As the Son of God was hanging on the cross, He was bearing the sin of the world. He was bearing the sin of those scribes and those Pharisees who sought to put him to death. But dear brothers and sisters in Christ, your sin is no different than the scribes and the Pharisees. 
because when the Son of God, the Lamb of God, was hanging on Calvary's cross, He was there bearing your sin. Your sins of taking revenge at those who hurt you. Your own sins of plotting. Your own sins of murder in your own heart. Your own sins of inappropriate sexual desire. Your own sins of desolating this sacred house when you do not come here regularly and often to hear the very word of God as it is delivered to you and receive it and believe it and live it. When you do not embrace and take hold of the very body and blood that was shed on Calvary's cross for your sins and given to you as his gift. Yes, make no mistake about it. He was hanging on the cross for the sin of the world, for your sin, for all time. Along with bearing our sin in his holy body, which Jesus called the temple, he was also bearing all of the holy wrath, punishment, condemnation, and judgment of the Father for that sin. He did this for you and for all sinners to give to you the forgiveness of sins and eternal life in the bosom of the Father. That is the abomination. It should not have been the Holy One dying for the guilty. It should have been sinners, you and me, bearing that righteous judgment of God not the holy, innocent lamb without blemish. Yet this Jesus, this Jesus who is your Savior from sin, was willing to be an abomination as your substitute so you would be spared from this dark and harsh yet righteous judgment of God for sin. Jesus gave this warning to his disciples because he knew that his death would cause confusion among some believers and that they would be tempted to listen to the voices of those who claim to be the real, authentic Messiah. So Jesus instructed the apostles, who were his appointed pastors and teachers of the church, to pass along these teachings and to preach to his followers that they should not believe any other gospel or Messiah than the one that God has given to us in the person of Jesus. There would be no need to go out in secrecy in the wilderness or in hidden rooms to find truth or to find the real Savior the true Savior of the world was very public, even by His own Father's affirmation of Him in His baptism and in His transfiguration. Jesus was very public in His teaching. He was very open and public as well in His death and in His resurrection. And He continues to be public with His gospel throughout all of the world.
But Jesus also knew that Satan and the world would pass their hatred for him on his followers. He told them, and he tells us that many times, and now he would tell them that one final time. And so it was. Those days, especially of the early Christian church, were very brutal, brutal days. There was no mercy shown, as Jesus described, even to mothers who were pregnant bearing children. Even little infants who were still nursing at their mother's breast were ripped away from their mothers and slaughtered and butchered only because they had been baptized and they belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the months and years that followed, Christians were openly persecuted and shown no mercy by those who hate Jesus and the gospel that alone saves sinners in the Christian church. In fact, even in some parts of our world yet today, in the open, most, most recently in Egypt, and in my travels internationally, there is nothing that angers Muslims more than to say that Jesus Christ is the true Son of God or to anger even people within our own United States by saying that there is only one way of salvation that God has given to us, and it is alone through faith in Jesus Christ. And yet for the sake of those who believe this gospel, Jesus says He will keep those days shortened. Sounds like pretty scary stuff, isn't it? And indeed, as I said, it is not child's play. It is scary stuff if you are not found in Jesus Christ. But for those who believe that Christ has given His life for us, that your sins are forgiven because of what He has done, Jesus speaks to us very calming words. He says, do not fear. You see, I have given you my word, a word which, well, which cannot fail, promises which will not pass away. I have also given to you my body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins and the strengthening of your faith, a faith that I gave to you in your baptism. I have even given you faithful messengers to give you these gifts in my behalf. Cling to these things and these alone, and you will not be deceived. Cling to these things, and you will endure both this tribulation and the judgment that is to follow. I absolutely give you my word. I will not leave you or forsake you. You belong to me, my dear child. You are my precious lamb. I have given you eternal life, and you shall never perish. Yes, the wicked one has snatched away children from their mothers in hatred for me, but I promise you, no one shall snatch you out of my hand. Because for me, this is a matter of life and death. Amen. 
And now may the peace of God, which certainly surpasses all of our understanding and our comprehension, guard and keep your hearts and your minds together in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.